Time show where we give it a Knicks talk just in the nick of time. Jay Ellis couldn't be with us today because he's handling some business on his side. So today you have me and Lee going to give you the lowdown with the Knicks versus the Heat last night. So now let me find the score. So the Knicks won last night, 101 to 92, a must win for the Knicks, giving them a cushion two games away from clinching a playoff spot. So I'm going to give you the stats right quick. So the Knicks were led by quickly that scored 24 points, four assists, three steals. Grimes also contributed with 23 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Josh Hart was crazy coming off the bench with 13 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Brunson, welcome back. 12 points, three assists. RJ Barrett also contributed with 12 points on fourth 13 shooting from the field. The unfortunate news was that Julius Randle went down with an ankle sprain, but it doesn't seem to be too serious. Hopefully, he'll be back in time for the playoffs. And yes, so thank you for being with us today. Um, it's it's a little bit different. I know we we're used to doing the post games at night, but today we decided to do it in the afternoon because last night we had a bit of technical difficulties. So as you know, Ryan G in the building. I'm your quote unquote main host for today. Take it over for, for Jay Ellis and. Next to me, I have Lee Escobedo. He's been all over the place. ESPN contributor, um, New York Post, posting and toasting. And if you're not careful, he'll burn your bum Knicks takes on Twitter. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Let's go. I'm ready to talk to Knicks win, baby. I'm excited. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think to start off the show, I think we should talk about Emmanuel quickly. He's been on a tear as of late. And he's the one who provided a spark for the Knicks to get them back into this game when it looked really ugly early on. So, Lee, what do you thought about Quickly's game tonight? Man, man, man. I think Emmanuel Quickly, I said this a couple months ago, he's our third best player at this point right now. You know, there's for a while I had Mitchell Robinson in that slot, and I love that we have a team where that, that importance level of the hierarchy can, can move up and down depending on who's hot and who's emerging. And right now, Quickly's two-way play, clutch shooting, and storing output for me, has him the third most important and third best player on the team. I mean, man, we had a stud right now. And when the time comes for Leon Rose to pay this kid, even if it's 110, 120, 125, I don't care what the number is, give the kid the bag because he's got a ceiling, and that ceiling hasn't even been anywhere close to being met. I think this kid's a star, a star potential. I think he can average 20 in his sleep if he was in a starting position. And I really want him to get an uh, opportunity to start next to Brunson next season for an all-star backcourt. Let's go, baby. IQ balling. Yeah, man. Just to add on to what you said, like, I remember I, I, I kind of give, I kind of have to give IQ an, an apology because when he first came into the league, I said my expectations for him was to be a sixth man of the year, which he seems like he's going to achieve this season. But I want to apologize because clearly my expectations of him were very small because he's way more than just a six man of the year with the way he's been playing. And I also want to apologize for him again, because when we had Chris on the show and we were discussing like, can quickly be a starting point guard. 
in the NBA. And I also stupidly said that, yeah, I think he can't be a star in the NBA, but I'm not sure for a championship caliber team. I'm taking, I'm taking all of that back. Quickly is proving me wrong. He is definitely a star in this league. He can start for any team in the league in the backcourt. Yeah, he's, he was amazing because in the beginning of the game, the Knicks were off to a terrible start. They had, what, seven turnovers in the first quarter. They couldn't take care of the ball. You know, Randall was off. Barrett was off. Brunson was off. Nobody was really going for the Knicks. Only really Grimes was really carrying the team in the first quarter. And once quickly got into the game, that's when they started chipping to the lead and come back into the game. And what was interesting is that in the fourth quarter, you know, usually Thibs likes to bring Brunson back into the game for good reason because, you know, Brunson's good in the clutch and he's good at carrying teams down the stretch. But Thibs decided to go with quickly tonight, which I agree with him because Brunson was not having a good game. And the fact that he went with quickly and he was in the backcourt with Grimes, Barrett, and, like, and you know, he went small pretty much with, with Grimes, Barrett, IQ, et cetera. And, yeah, IQ was definitely uh, – he, he definitely had a great game tonight. Like, he's definitely putting his stamp on the league. When I think about quickly, the three guys that comparatively come to mind is like Jamal Crawford, former Nick, Leandro Barbosa, Lou Williams. And I think what separates him from those three guys and puts him more in a category of like Emmanuel Ginobili, who was a sixth man, but really was a starter because he finished every game with the Spurs and ended up becoming a Hall of Famer, is three things. One, Dude can score on anybody and play with any other set of players. He's not someone that he comes in with a bench mob that are underachievers offensively and you just run the offense through him. He can mold and fit with any other four players he's playing around and adapt his game with who he's playing alongside with. Two, he's an elite defender. He's already statistically, analytically, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, which is unbelievable for a kid who's 23 years old and only in his third season, is an unbelievable statistic. And that's all the three other guys I named were not great defenders. Some were at average or below average. He's on a different level. And third is his playmaking. The way he sees the floor as a facilitator, I think he's even a higher level facilitator than Jalen Brunson. That's not a knock on Brunson. Brunson has his elite things that he does well, better than quickly or anyone else on the team. But his ability to see the floor and get guys involved is better than I ever saw from Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford or Barbosa, who were microwaves that came in for the point guard, who was more of a facilitating point guard, and just put points on the board. Quickly does so much more. He, he, he statistically is great at every single metric you want from a basketball player. And I think by next season, he needs to be starting, not just a sixth man. Yeah, man. Like I know I also said that I'm not really a fan of having a small backcourt. And the only, reason I, the only reason I say that is because, like, for example, when the Knicks face the Clippers, for example, and the Clippers, they're, they're a big team. Like, they have Paul George in the backcourt. And even though Grimes is a good defender, Grimes struggled with Paul George and, be, and because George just had the height over him. So, but I do agree. Like, I do think Quickly should be starting. And I would like to see Quickly start alongside Brunson in the future. But I'm just saying that for the Knicks to do that, I would, I would like for them to get a bigger defensive wing. Yeah. Somebody that they, that they can insert in the starting lineup for just for those matchups so that quickly isn't like, you know, he's, he isn't overpowered by a guy that's like 6'8 on the wing and he has to guard that guy. You, ha you already have somebody in the line that can take over that, um, take over that responsibility and have quickly on somebody else. That's the only thing. Yeah, I mean, that's why it works for Cleveland when they have a Toro who picks up a lot of defensive miscues of Garland and Mitchell who are not 
elite defenders. I would say both are average to slightly above average, but Okoro keeps that defense number one in the NBA. So if Cleveland can do it with their roster and how it's constructed, the Knicks can too under Tibbs. Yes, most definitely, most definitely. And I just want to shout out the chat right quick before we continue because you guys are definitely troopers. I know a lot of y'all are still at work, just like me. Probably Lee too. Yep. We still at work, but you know, we, we're out here doing this show for you. So I just want to shout out everybody right quick who's with us. Gamers Channel, Tony Banks, Samir Soriano, New Yorkian. Thank you for thank you for being with us today. Um, so we're gonna get right back into it. Um, so Quinn and Grimes. Besides quickly tonight, Quinn and Grimes was definitely a bright spot for the Knicks tonight. 23 points, great shooting, good defense. So what do you think about Grimes' game? I'm the only guy on this team that I have had a short fuse with is Tom Thibodeau as a head coach. And the reason for that is the man's been a head coach for about 13 to 14 years now. So we have a long – now, he hasn't been coaching every year during that stretch. But we have a really solid sample size to know trend, trending – what he's going to do in certain situations, where, where his strengths are, where his weaknesses are, and all those things compared to where it elevates or drops in the playoffs. With these young guys, we don't have enough of a sample size to really determine or dictate what kind of player they are and what kind of player they can be, which is why I push back hard on Tate's like, RJ's a bum, dump RJ. You know, quickly, it's only a sixth man. Or Grimes quickly needs to be starting above Grimes right now or move Grimes back to the bench. Or, you know, Obi's a bust. We don't have enough of, of a timeline to really look at any of these guys and determine how low their ceiling is or high, how, how high their floor is. Grimes is, in my opinion, above schedule. The guy has really become our most dependable 3 and D wing and is able, the only guy on our team, maybe Hart, but I think Grimes more, who's able to defend the taller, longer, stronger wings on this team consistently, and especially when those wings are the best on the opposite team, the best offensive weapon on, on, on their uh, five-man starting rotation. He's guard the Kawhis. He's guard the Jimmy Butlers. And he gets in their face and he causes them disruption and causes them to shoot low percentage from the field. He did that last night with Jimmy. And I really think this kid, once his shot, he gets confidence in his shot because the mechanics and the form, it's all there. He just needs his confidence to reach the level of his skill set. And once he does, man, Allen Houston 2.0, but defensively an ace. And then we have something special with this kid. I just finished a piece that him and quickly were both the 25th pick in the draft. That's some good stouting, man. Shout out Leon Rose. Not ready to call a grown man a Don, but I will give him props for finding two studs, two, with a 25th pick in the draft, doing some major draft day um, dealings to, to, to move up and down to get those two guys. Yeah, man. Um, you can't say enough about Grimes' game tonight. And I think it's kind of a good thing that he's peaking at this moment because – you know, like we've said, you know, we, we already know what we're going to get from Brunson and Randall. But I think what's going to determine the Knicks going far in the playoffs is what the others can give them besides Brunson and Randall. And if Grimes can continue to play like this and provide extra pop, and then on top of that, you have R.J. Barrett being efficient, the Knicks are going to be a very tough out. I don't care who the Knicks face. Facts. The Knicks are not going to be an easy team for anybody to beat. And if Grimes can just continue this, continue the way he played, like the way he played last night, yeah, the Knicks are going to definitely be a problem. Eight of, eight of 14 from the field, five of 10 from three, 23 points. And, like, when the Knicks were struggling, I think I think to start the game, Grimes accounted for, like, the Knicks' first eight points. He had two threes, and he had that pass to Mitch under the basket. And the Knicks went out to the 8-0 run before the Heat started to, you know, mix things up and come back into the game. But 
Yeah, Grimes is definitely a solid piece, and I hope he just keeps this up because going forward, the Knicks are going to need that kind of those these kind of performances from him when the playoffs come. And you know, a lot of the haters that said Grimes was going to lose his starting job or his development was going to be stunted by heart were really shut up last night when my man Tom Thibodeau, let's go, finished a game with both of them on the court. Loved, I have loved the way Tibbs has coached the last month or two since the All-Star break. I was hard on Tom Thibodeau, but since the All-Star break and the adjustments he's made, starting with the nine-man rotation and lead into better in-game adjusting, better rotation management. The guy has been one of the best coaches in NBA in the last two months of his season, and I'm happy he's catching his stride along with a lot of, play- a lot of players as we move into the playoffs. The real test. Yeah, man, it's kind of crazy because when Thibs first got here, like we were pretty much saying how Thibs was a dinosaur with the way he coached and everything because typical Thibs, like the first couple of seasons here in New York, like – in a game like this, he would have went right back to his starting lineup. Brunson would have been back out, would have been back out there, and he just would have went his with his starters. But yep. the fact that he benched Brunson for the fourth quarter, and Brunson did not see an ounce of daylight in the fourth quarter, he, and he stuck with quickly to, to to finish out the game and put Grimes out there as well. That's that's not a Thibs move. That's, that's not a usual Thibs move. And you know what else isn't? Mitchell Robinson on the bench and yeah, Hardenstein finishing the game too, utilizing his passing, finally finding cutters and slashers for the back door, find guys on the perimeter, giving that extra hockey pass to make sure that the open shot is hit. I love the way that Tibbs is finally utilizing Hardenstein and Hardenstein finally getting his confidence up, mentioning that Julius Randle would send him encouraging text in the middle of the season when he was in a slump to help boost his confidence to put him in a position he is now. Good on Randle. Most definitely, most definitely. So you definitely have to big up Thibs and definitely I big up Hardison as well because I don't know what got into this man at the beginning of the season. Trash. <laughs> All of a sudden, this man just turned it around and he's, right. and he's showing us what he can provide for the team. And he's played way better after the All Star break. Way better. Best backup center in decades. We have never had. First of all, we've rarely even had a good center. I, we had a moment to Tyson Chandler, Kurt Thomas, Nazi Muhammad, but Mitchell Robinson's the best center we've had in twenty years. And now we have our best backup center and our best third-string center in Jericho Sims. Man, the future's bright, bro. I'm really happy to be a Knicks fan right now. For real, man. For real, man. Most definitely. All right, so I'm going to move to the next topic now. I think we have to talk about Josh Hart. You know, 13 points off the bench, eight rebounds, three assists, plus 12 is the impact he had in the game tonight. What did you think about Josh Hart's performance? I remember the day after we made that trade, I said that I would have given another pick, another protected pick. I would hit the protections off that pick. I would have given more than Cam Reddish. Two seconds, whatever it took. The Washington pick for Josh Hart. Because of it's not just the development and the playing offensively and defensively. I love his attitude. I love his personality and the culture. It's the boost that we needed to get out of like the settling and the mediocrity that we had kind of fallen into in the middle of the season, he really interjected us with some fresh blood and, and really connected that bench unit to be as efficient and dominant as, as it was two seasons ago and even up until last season. It was starting to fall off a little bit, and he came in and really provides a juice that we needed where there's almost no drop-off when Grimes sits and he comes in consistently, high energy, efficient threes, Great, you know, on-ball defense, being able to guard the one through four. My heart provides all of that. I think he's going to be probably the X factor in that Cleveland Cavaliers series. How him and the bench are able to match up against their bench, which is really weak. I think we hold a huge advantage 
player and potential wise with our second unit compared to their second unit. And Hart really is the point of attack in that. I just, he always ends up with the big plays. He helps us not lose leads below, you know, blow leads or allow the other team to come back. It's a lot of that is Hart diving for loose balls and doing all the intangible things that a team needs to secure a win. Yeah, most definitely. And I think the one thing about Hartskin that I love the most is the fact that he's a transition player, you know, because the Knicks is one of the slowest teams in the league. And with the Heat last night, like the way the Heat were playing, when the Heat went into that matchup zone and the Knicks were just playing slow, the Knicks couldn't do anything with that zone. And that allowed the Heat to jump out to like a 10-point lead. And, you, and, when the, and, and when you're facing teams that play zone a lot, you know, because the Heat were basically just preventing like any drive to the basket. Like they were not letting, they were not allowing the Knicks guards to penetrate the paint at all. Every time, every time a Knicks guard tried to penetrate the paint, the Heat would just double and just lock that up ASAP. And the and the reason why I like Hart is that Hart gives the Knicks an extra bit of pace that they need sometimes, especially against teams like the Heat, yeah. where they where defensively, if you if you face them in the half court. They're gonna give you problems. It's gonna be trouble to score. But Hart, what Hart does is when he comes into the game, he pushes the pace a bit. And when he pushes the pace against a team like the Heat, that allows him to get easier baskets. And like I think once quickly got into the game and Hart got into the game, the Knicks were down by ten, and then immediately they came back and they were they were down by two, like within like a with a like within like the snap of a finger. So that's the one thing I love about Hart's game. And yeah, Hart's been an excellent addition this season, and he's definitely a guy that you know. The Knicks better sign him <laughs> when the season's over because we cannot lose a guy like this coming off the bench. You made some great points. The Miami Heat are dead last in pace. They're sixth worst in offensive rating and sixth worst in effective field goal percentage. So they're a team that really needs a half-court set to get into their offense. They do a lot of off-ball movement. That's how they did guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Dave Vincent, the wide-open threes that they get. So, you know, it's a lot of like double and triple screens that get guys loose for dribble handoffs. So the fact that Thibodeau saw that, knew that, and steamed against it by having his two best advanced passers on the court in Hart and Hartenstein at the same time, to me, was a shrewd move. I think the casual observer was like, this was a perfect time for Obi Toppin to get a bunch of minutes, not against the Heat. In this situation, we need a small and fast and have our best passers and best ball handlers on the court to we could have one to two man transition game. And we did that. There's a lot of outlet passes from uh, Hart and Hartenstein on a defensive rebound in to get on the other side of the floor. And that last three minutes of the game, we beat them in transition. We secured the win by easy layup lines under the basket. IQ had a few. Uh, Josh Hart had a few. That to me is why we won the game uh, was Tom Thibodeau's coaching in the last five minutes. Which I can't believe I'm saying this, because man, I've been I've been the number one pitchfork holder. But hey, man, when the evidence in front of you changes, you have to change along with it. I'm not going to be some arrogant ass up here and say fire Tibbs while he's doing a great job from the sidelines. Exactly. Yet, if Tibbs loses the first round, it's fire Tibbs. It's- oh yeah, I, there, I, and I want to talk about this with you. There is no reason we should to not beat this Cav team. I am not scared of his Cav team at all, and I would love to go you know, down the line of the reasons why I feel this way with you is that I feel like you feel the same way too. Miami Heat, listen, y'all, the Miami Heat scare me more of a seven-game series than the Cleveland Cavaliers. If the Knicks are playing the Heat, I would be more worried about the Heat because of Eric Spostra, an elite coach, compared to J.B. Bickerstaff, a coach who's never been to playoffs. Spo scares me because he can elevate the level of the one through 15 team more than a Bernie Baker staff. So we'll eventually get there, but man, the tabs don't scare me at all. I mean, 
the Cavs don't scare me either. I mean, at the moment, I would say the Knicks are going to win in six or seven games. Yes. The only, the only, the only reason why I'm not as like full in on fire and thin, if the Knicks happen to end up losing, is just for the simple fact that like I just want to see how the Knicks fight in that series. Like, if I if I feel like the Knicks go to a seven game series and go to a game seven and they're fighting and then it's like, okay, Donovan Mitchell's the X factor, and it's like. I don't know how I could really be mad at that because Donovan Mitchell is that great of a player, but you know, if but if it's a if it's so if it's a situation where the Knicks are just getting smacked by a right. team they smacked in the regular season, and that's when I'm like, nah, you know, something's not right. Like this coach gotta go. But regardless of the fact, I do think the Knicks will beat the Cavaliers in the first round. We gotta just gotta wait and see what happens. All anyone has to do is get on Doodle. You're watching the show right now. Pull up another tab. Look at Cleveland Cavaliers roster. And you tell me how many players in that roster scare you offensively. There's only two, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Isaac Okoro ain't scaring nobody on offense. Jared Allen's not scaring anyone on offense. Karis LeVert is not scaring anyone on offense. Dean Wade is not scaring anybody on offense. Uh, Danny Green is not scaring anybody on offense. They have two star-level offensive players. Because I wouldn't even say either are superstars. They're star levels. And Donovan Mitchell would be the best player on the court in a seven-game series against the Knicks. He's better than Randall, better than Brunson. But I think Brunson and Randall are both better than Garland. We have a better supporting cast. We have a better starting five. We have a way better bench and a way better coach. All those reasons, I don't think there's any intangible reason besides a defense, which Cleveland's number one in the NBA. They're better than us defensively. But we're so much better than offensively, and Tibbs can steam against a two-man backcourt and allow the other guys to beat us. And those other guys will not beat the New York Knicks. No, I completely, I completely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And the fact that the Knicks are a good team on the road as well, I don't fear the fact that the Knicks are going to be on the road starting in the first round. I do think the Knicks are capable of stealing one or maybe even two in Cleveland. Yeah, when we played the Hawks, we had guys that depended on a lot of ball movement and a lot of catch and shoot. That's, you know, those type, that's what we had with Reggie Bullock. That's what we had in Elford Payton kind of. You know, at that time, Derrick Rose wasn't really breaking guys down at that age of his career, even though he probably was our best playoff performer. And Randall was more of a catch-and-shoot store then than he was now. He's hitting more harder shots now and more ISO shots now and points per, points per, points per, 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 per possession and ISO sets now than he was back then. And we have a team now that had more on-ball ability. Manuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart, Obi Toppin, Isaiah Hartenstein, Brunson. There's so many different elements that made this a really dynamic offensive force. And even though Cleveland's defense is elite and their front court is scary, I'm not worried about Evan Mobley stopping Randall. Randall's going to cook him. Evan Mobley is a great emerging superstar, especially defensively. He's already he way above a lot of guys in the lead, but Randall will cook him because Evan Mobley's never been in the playoffs and has no idea what to expect when the, those pressure cookers turn up and the, the wheels start tightening. Most definitely, most definitely. But I will take Mikey Uno's advice. They are worthy four guys. Don't jinx us. I'm not trying to jinx the Knicks. I'm giving my honest opinion. I do think that they will win the series, but it's going to be a bomb burner. Like, I'm not saying the Knicks are going to run over the Cavaliers. It's definitely going to be a bomb burner, but I'm, I agree with Mikey Uno. I'm not, I'm not trying to jinx the Knicks. I ain't we, jinxing them. I'm juicing them. Let's go. Juicing them. <laughs> Let's go. Take that steroids approach. Yes. All right. So I just want to shout out the chat right quick. Thank you for chilling with us today. It's an unusual time, but I'm glad you're out here with us. During your work hours, um, so I want to shout out New York Rican, Mikey Uno, Tony Banks, 
Of Tom course, Brady. the best part of the game, Fritz, Samir Soriano. Thank you, everybody who's here with us. Jamaica, Queens, Rich Jim. Thank you for being here with us today. So I think I want to talk about the next topic. And RJ Barrett, like I know RJ Barrett did not have a great game, but he did hit some big shots in the fourth quarter that contributed to the Knicks winning this game. And I know RJ Barrett's not going to always have the best of games. You know, um, he did struggle against the Heat defense a bit. I think I, I did. I do think a lot. A, a lot of his shots that he did take were good shots. He just he just did not make them. But you know, RJ Barrett did come through in the clutch. I think he hit that big three like towards the end, like the in the last like five six minutes of the game, which you know pretty much you know propelled the Knicks also to this win. So, what do you think about RJ Barrett? Not worried about him. Not concerned. You know, part and parcel has been. But we've talked about on this show where I've lowered my expectations of what he is and what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a very good player, someone who hovers between 19 and 21 points for the next seven years of his career, which is a very solid third option, fourth option. I think eventually when we are a championship-level team, I hope he's still on this team, and I hope he's filling that fourth option role for us You know, when we have a Jeremiah Grant or a Brandon Ingram eventually on this team as well. I thought he played good defense last night. He always rises to the occasion when he's playing Tyler Hero, a guy that he knows he's constantly compared to on Twitter circles uh, and social media. And I thought he did a pretty good job uh, keeping up with him off ball, fighting through strange and trying to limit how many open threes Hero got. I thought he did a really good job in ball denial uh, for the most part last night on, on Hero and kept him from scoring over 100 points overall. Offensively, he struggled from the field, both from three and from two. But, you know, one thing about R.J. Barrett, he's not a lazy or stupid or me-first player. I see a lot of those narratives being being drawn on Twitter. And I disagree with a lot of them. I engage a lot of them. I think he's a 22-year-old kid. He's younger than IQ, younger than Obi. Like he's younger than almost half the guys on this roster. One of the youngest players on the team and the youngest starter. So I think he deserves a little bit more grace that he's been put in a lot of tough situations and has been demanded at a high level from the very start when he started his first game under Fisdale. Uh, four years ago now. So I think his timeline's a little slower than everybody else. But once he eventually hits that groove, I don't think his numbers will go up. His efficiency will go up. And when that happens, he's going to be a very dangerous player. Yeah, I most definitely agree. Um, I, I also agree, like, I do hope RJ Barrett is with us long-term because I do not want to give up on RJ Barrett as of yet. I know there's been a lot of times this season where, you know, I've been down on his game and, you know, expecting better of him. But... You know, I'm going to attribute it to the fact that, you know, he's in a new situation this year. You know, like you said, beside the fact that, you know, age-wise, you know, he's one of the – he's pretty much the youngest starter in our rotation at the moment. But I think also the fact that, you know, it's pretty much a new role for him. Yeah. You know, because he has Randall, he has Brunson, you know, like years past, like he was pretty much the, the second option. Like, for example, that playoff year when the Knicks made a playoffs against the Hawks, he's pretty much the second option behind Randall. Because Randall was really, because Randall was really was pretty much our only like big offensive option that we had, and now he's in a situation where it's not just Randall anymore; it's Randall and Brunson. And now I think with the emergence of IQ as well, you know, that's going to pretty much move RJ Barrett down the chain. Where I think in his career he hasn't been as he hasn't been there as of yet, where he's like a third option or a fourth option or whatever the case may be. So I think it's I think so I think he's going through an adjustment period. Yeah. where he's still trying to, like, find himself. And I think Thibs has helped that where, you know, Thibs brings him in with the second unit, which, you know, allows him to be more of an off offensive focal point 
as opposed to when he's with the starters, because I, because I don't think RJ Barrett is used to that role as of yet as being like a territory player on a start in a starting lineup. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that, you know, like going into next season, et cetera, like he'll adjust more to the role and, you know, and learn how to pick his spots better, which I think he has been doing as of late. You know, he's definitely picking his spots better and taking better shots and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I think within like the last maybe 10 games or so, I think I think his efficiency numbers have gone up. I think if I think for the season now, he's shooting 44 percent, which is which is an improvement. I mean, you still want him to be a little bit higher overall, but it's, it, it is a little bit of an improvement. So yeah, I'm not worried about R.J. Barrett either. Like I said, you know, I think a lot of the shots he did take last night were makeable shots. He just wasn't hitting them and he played good defense. Yo, his stats are good. 20 points a game, five rebounds, three assists. Those are solid numbers. Now, when he did deeper into, you know, the advanced stats and the shooting splits, that's where you start seeing a lot of the things that you that can make you roll your eyes or get a little frustrated at how his efficiency hasn't improved uh, since he came in the lead over four seasons. But his averages, even as a career, 18 a game, five rebounds, three assists, those are solid numbers. So when you put it in perspective of a third pick, it can be disappointing but then we think about him as a third option or a fourth option. It actually can, ends up balancing out. And I think we put his age into consideration. He's only 22 years old, and he can improve on both ends of the ball, defensive, defensively as well. I think there, there's still some ceiling to be met efficiency-wise, maybe not skill-wise, but efficiency-wise, because he has his limitations as an athlete and in terms of speed and uh, vertical. I don't think he'll ever be like a, a Mikhail Bridges or a Miles Bridges, hopefully never uh, a Miles Bridges <laughs> off the court. Um, but I, I think he can be a really solid glue guy and a fourth option for us. We eventually become a contender. And I like his personality too. He wanted to be here. He wanted to be drafted here. And I think Tibbs is the right coach for him too. He needs someone to stay on his ass uh, and bring out the best in him. So I'm glad he's not on some Charlotte team or Houston team where his efficiency would probably get worse and now it become a habit. That won't happen here under Tibbs. Exactly. And it's kind of crazy because if you go back to his draft class, it's kind of funny because he was drafted behind Zion Williamson and John Morant. But when you look at it, when you look at it now, it's like he he has the one he has probably one of the main things that you want in a player over Ja and Zion is an and its availability. Because Zion's been hurt the majority of his career and Ja, you know, with his current issues, you know, can you really trust Ja? I mean, I hopefully, you know. Of course, you know, you're hoping that he gets over what he's going through at the moment and he becomes a more reliable player. But, but you know, RJ Barrett, you don't have to worry about no off-court stuff. True. And, and he's healthy the majority of the time. He's playing. So, yeah, the one thing that RJ Barrett does have over those two guys is availability. Yeah. He's been solid. No off-the-court issues. You know, he's got the kind of attitude that thing Leon Rose has tried to build since taking over. He replicate is his really positive uh, workhorse attitude, always in the gym, always putting up shots, always working on his game. I think that you've seen that replicate in guys like Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly. Yes, most definitely, most definitely. All right, so I'm going to shout out to chat right quick. Thank you for tuning in with us during your work time hours. Samir Soriano, Mike Uno, of course, Fritz, the best mind in the game. He set this up for us today, so he definitely got big up Fritz. Shout out Fritz. Tony Banks. Jamaica Queens, Drip Moore. Everybody's with us today. We truly appreciate it. And I think before I end the show, I think I just want to make a quick mention. So I do want to ask you a question. Okay, so Julius Randle. So at the moment, he has a sprained ankle. 
I don't think there's been a diagnosis as of yet. Like, I don't know, like, how long he's going to really be out for. So I don't know the severity of it. But if he's healing and he's able to come back before the season ends, would you start him before the season ends? Or would you let him rest for the rest of the season and just be like, you know what? You've played every game this season. Just rest up. And then when we get to the playoffs, then we bring you back in. I would sit him for the next two games. I think he's the type of player – that you have to actually like drag off the court because he's never going to want to sit a game or sit a quarter or really even sit a minute, especially the precedent that Tibbs has set since uh, he's taken over as a coach. You know, Randall has been one of the most dependable players in the entire league in terms of how available he is in playing through injury. But I think he needs a rest mentally and physically. I would sit him, I would sit him on uh, Friday tomorrow to make sure the Cavs don't have literal game tape against their own team. I had a steam for the Knicks fully healthy. I would love to be able to sit him and remove that part from the equation where they don't, they're not able to see our game plan and how we're going to play them going to the playoffs. I think it would be a shrewd move to purposefully sit him during that game and the Wizards game because I think that's one we can win without Randall. I would bring him back against Indiana April 5th and allow him to regain continuity and flow with the starting unit before we go into the playoffs. I, I wouldn't want any weird continuity things because it's not, he's not used to it. He's not used to sitting. So it's going to have a little bit of an adjustment when he comes back in. I don't want that to happen game one of the playoffs. I'd rather it happen a couple of games before the playoffs start so he, you know, the continuity with Mitch and Brunson especially can regain its form. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that because, you know, I think, you know, him being injured, like I don't want to say injuries are a blessing in disguise, but it might be the fact that it's not a severe one because just for the simple fact that it's going to allow him to rest a few games, just so he can, like, you know, rest, you know, get his body right and get his mental right for going into the playoffs. And I agree, like, if he's healthy enough to go, then, yeah, you bring him in, like, right before the end of the season so that he can get his groove back in. Like you said, get, get the continuity back with the team. But I, think, but I think the main focus should be just getting him back to 100%. So, I, if, it, so if, it, if it's going to take the rest of the season, going into the playoffs for him to get 100%, then so be it that I'd just rather, him, rather than bring him back too early. But as long as he's healthy and good to go, yeah, bring him back a little bit early, you know, have him sit for two, three games, you know, let him rest, let him get his mental back right, and then, yeah, bring him back in so he can have that, you know, that groove and that flow going into the postseason. You know, I'm really happy that Tibbs has been coaching the way that he's been coaching, allowing guys off the bench to finish games and normally finish games because I think he's establishing a precedent that, hey, come playoff time, just because you're a starter – you might not finish games. It's going to be based on matchups, flow of the game, and momentum. So right, it doesn't guarantee Mitchell Robinson's going to finish every single game because Hardenstein might be the better matchup if Cleveland goes small and has Evan Mobley at the five. It also doesn't mean that Brunson's going to finish every game just because he's you know one of the highest paid players on the floor and his dad's an assistant coach. It might be quickly. Deuce McBride might come in and play some minutes. You might see Fournier come in and play minutes depending on the matchup. I really think that's a great – Thing to establish before playoff time because he did not do that the previous time against Atlanta. It was here's my seven guys. I'm playing those seven guys until the wheels fall off. So when you bring in someone off the bench, it kind of things things didn't mesh well. Where now it's like you, you don't know what Tibbs is going to do. He's going to follow the flow of the game and have the best five guys out there to finish depending on how the game is going. And I'm really happy he's doing that before the playoffs start because man, one thing he's needed to do is adjust. And I got him props. He has his last couple months. 
Most definitely, most definitely. And before we close off the show, I just want to touch on this right quick. Jalen Brunson, so we, as, as we all know, Jalen Brunson has been out the last couple of games and he came back against the Heat. Um, he struggled. Um, he shot 5 of 11 from the field, 1 of, third, one of 3 from three-point range, 12 points. Um, plus 9 when he was on the court, though. Um, going into the fourth quarter, Thibs pretty much benched him and went with quickly instead, which, which, you know, we both agreed that was the right move to do. So what do you think about Brunson's game coming back? Um, defensively, he was getting hunted on mismatches. I think Spoh's too smart of a coach. Miami's too too well coached of a team to not hunt him. It's just a smart thing to do. And I think a lot, you know, putting Brunson in a position where he's guarding guys like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero on switches is a dangerous thing to have. It's going to happen in the play in the playoffs since Cleveland, but luckily their backcourt, both guys are since one. So there's yeah. not going to be too many opportunities for it to be major size mismatches there unless they're posting up Isaac or Coro, which they can have that shot all day. Um, but in this game in particular, he looked a little rusty in the first quarter. I thought he gained some momentum back and a little bit of his groove back in the second half and looked pretty good. But I think Tibbs wanted a lineup where guys weren't going to get cooked on defense to where when the switches happened, it didn't matter who the switch land on. Someone could pick their man up with RJ and Hart playing some of the four and a three, which I thought was the right move. Uh, and that was a game where Brunson should have set. And Brunson even like admitted, like, yo, the guys are let them cook. I yeah. playing his ass off. So, you know, I was happy to see that. This team has continuity. And I think everyone, except for Randall, is okay with sitting, depending on how the rest of the guys are playing. And it was the right move to, to, to sit Brunson. And I wasn't worried about this first game back. You know, he had a little rust to his game, but he'll be fine, man. He's an efficient three-point shooter. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I definitely see that the Heat started out with putting Butler on him as opposed to like having like Vincent or somebody like that guarding Brunson. So I, I feel like, you know, with Butler, but with Butler on him, a good defensive player who's a bit bigger than him, probably gave him a little bit of issues, especially with him coming back from injury and having played the last few games. So I think that probably played a role, played a role in it as well. Like you said, in the second half, he did show some positive signs, you know, that he was getting back his groove. And, you know, like you said, you know, quickly – going through that whole fourth quarter and having him sit was the best, was probably the best move for that game. And, you know, Brunson, you know, you know, Brunson's not a player you worry about, you know, you already know that, you know, as he gets his game time in, he's going to, he's going to get back to form. So, you know, nothing to worry about with Brunson. You know, I just think that, you know, with him coming back, you know, and the, and the way that he played defense and the fact that Butler was on him, you know, it's probably like the perfect storm where he's going to probably struggle a bit. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, <clears throat> Miami had Gabe Vincent at the point last night, too. And I really think Tibbs remembered the last game where Gabe Vincent just was dropping threes on us. He didn't want that to happen again. So he set Brunson to make sure the IQ was on Gabe Vincent to be able to lock down on him on a perimeter, which was a smart move. Because if there's one way to beat the Knicks, it's beat us on a three-point line. But Miami is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Cleveland's not far behind, which is a good thing for the playoffs. So that was one of the few occasions I thought going with IQ – over Brunson was the right move because of Gabe, Gabe Vincent being at the point. If it was Lowry, I probably would have finished with Brunson, but Gabe Vincent is dangerous from the three-point line. Yes, most definitely, most definitely. Um, just want to shout out the chat right quick. I think I'm probably going to end it, roll it up here and end it. Um, I don't think there's another topic for us to really talk about. I think we talked about everything that we needed to talk about. So I'm just going to shout out the chat right quick before we all wrap it up. So, again, thank you for being with us. Fritz, the best mod of the game. Thank you for setting this up for us. Um, Mikey Uno, New York Rican, Samir Soriano, Jamaica Queens, Drip Moore, 
Uh, who else am I forgetting? Who else am I forgetting? Tony Banks. Tony Banks. Yes, sir. Thank you for everybody. Pudge Nice. Gamers Channel. Everybody who's tuning in. I know y'all tuning in during y'all work hours. We appreciate, <laughs> it. we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So before we wrap it up, um, do you have any broad picks? You know, I always do. Yes, uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my broad pick goes to the, <laughs> the Dallas Mavs, who oh. lost again last night, um, pretty much cementing their failure to make the play-in tournament. It's not mathematically eliminated, but it's looking like they're not going to make the play-in. I just need them to win enough games to where that pick on Tankathon doesn't get below 11 because I want that pick to convey to us. And I really think, I'm going to do a little prognosticating here, I think that pick is going to be used in a trade with Portland for our man, Jeremiah Durant, the number one target this summer, besides re-sign IQ and re-sign Josh Hart, should be Jeremiah Durant. Everything we need, three-point shooting, 40% from the field. Defense guards all five positions. Offensive off the dribble, Duke can store and drop 20 points a game, averaging 20 points a game this season. He's a veteran with a dog mentality who's played in a winning culture in Denver. I think the guy would fill our immediate need for a 3 and D wing with high scoring capabilities. And I think that 11th pick, maybe 11th and Obi, 11th and Fournier, some combination there is going to be used to get Jeremiah Grant. So I want that pick to be as good as possible so it sweetens any trade deal that we make. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, I definitely do not see the Knicks keeping that pick. Like, I, I can't see the Knicks really drafting. Like, if the Knicks do draft a player, I feel like it's, it's a player that the team that they're trading with is going to want. And they're going to package that player along with, like you said, you know, like an OB or somebody else and get a big wing to come and come and come and really complete this team. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's definitely going to be an interesting offseason. But the Dallas Mavericks, man, like they shocked me, man, because I was like Luka and Kyrie. I'm like, yeah, I understand you lose defensive pieces in the trade. But I mean, damn, you have those two players on your team. Like you're supposed to at least win more than you lose. Even Total facts. Even if it's two games over, like you're eight and six or something, like you're supposed to win more than you lose with those two guys on your team. Yep. And it hasn't been Kyrie's fault. Not at all. I mean, I think some blame can go on Luka for playing like ass on defense. And some games he just doesn't look like he cares. He's the type of player that plays up to the competition. When they play these bad teams, he, he doesn't have the same enthusiasm he does when they're playing a Memphis or a, or a New Orleans or a Minnesota. So there's a blame there, but really it's Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd in their free front office – has been atrocious in the way they build around Luka Doncic, wasting, squandering, and an unbelievable generational talent. So maybe, you know, he'll be in a Knicks jersey here in a few years because he grew up a Mellow fan. You know that picture of it circulates with a thumbs up and a Mellow number seven. So, hey, man, we'd love to have you, Luka, reunite with Jalen Brunson, you know? Yes, sir. Have that, have that Luka magic over here in New York. Let's go. <laughs> so the next game for the Knicks is Friday against the team we're most likely going to see in the first round, the Cleveland Cavaliers. That should definitely be a good one. Hopefully, JLS will be back with us for that game, and we have the full crew here to do that game. So we're going to wrap this up right now. So, Lee, let them know the socials. I'm putting out right now an Avengers call. I want an all-star playoff panel. It doesn't have to be during the game, but before the series starts with Cleveland. Man, I got to have my boy CK2K. Got to have my boy Ryan. Got to have my boy Jay Ellis. Who else? Gotta have my boy into the Knicks verse, George. And I'm forgetting one more person. Oh, yeah. I gotta have Terry and Trey. Let's unite as Avengers and have the ultimate Knicks fan conversation 
about the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. Come on, guys. Join on in. Let's do it. I put the call in on Twitter. I got a like from everybody. So I feel like this is going to happen. Jay Ellis is down for it. Uh, find me on Twitter at underscore Leah Scabito. Follow the smoke. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Always burning those bum Knicks takes on Twitter. I, I, yeah, I, and I, had to, I had to burn Jay Ellis every night, too, bro. I had to go in, I had to go in on Jay Ellis on Julius Randle in French time. I had to burn his ass on that one. Yeah, I, was, I was following that whole conversation. And when I saw the last <laughs> when you just put out like every statistical category with Julius Randle's like top 10 in it, when it comes to crunch time, I was like, damn, I'm real checkmate. I was like, nah, I can't come back from that. He can't come back. I had to text Jay Ellis, make sure he was all right, man. Man was on life support. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Facts, facts, facts. Well, for me, you can find me on Instagram at Sir G is Chillin'. Sir G is Chillin'. I got to do that for my guy, Jay Ellis. He's not here to do it for me today. So that's S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. You can also find me at Sir G's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G-K-O-T. And that is our show. Thank you, everybody, for being with us today. We truly appreciate it. See y'all tomorrow when the Knicks face the Cavs. Everybody have a good day. Peace. We out of here. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams.